understand your motivation. What exactly are you trying to get out of your next role? I think a lot of what I, part of a lot of the reason I transitioned design is because the previous roles that I was in were not very creative. They weren't solving the problems that I thought were most important. Hey everyone, it's me again, Jay Christ, and welcome to the another episode of the Design Live Show. In episode 97 of TDLS, I sat down with Julia Anderson. Julia is a conversational UX designer based in Los Angeles, California. Before pursuing her passion of connecting people through conversation, she studied behavioral economics and consulted healthcare companies. Today, she is designing voice-first experiences and interested in collaborating with people who see or hear voice as the ultimate human-centered design tool. In this episode, we talk about a lot of great stuff and some of the things that really uh, fascinated me and you know really really reminds me of the this experience with Julia is her conversational UX design journey so she shared a lot of uh, you know good stuff about her ground-up stories so we also talk about what is conversation design and how do people become involved in the industry and advice for people who is interested in switching into UX design through self-teaching and much, much more. So again, guys, if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting app. And uh, please do leave a review. Uh, In that way, you are helping me to reach more people. And at the same time, you are helping me as well to help other people people especially the filipino creatives professionals you know any anyone who aspire to be a creative and you know to be at the same time entrepreneurial in this you know interesting landscape we have right now so that's it that's all i've asked you right so it's 100 free to any of your favorite podcasting app you can listen you can download it and it's available on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music by audible and you can check all the links on our show notes below all right so without further ado i hope you enjoy this episode you're listening to The Design Life Show, a podcast that's helping everyone grow to live a meaningful and creative life. It's me, Jake Rice, a designer from the Philippines, best known for being an advocate of essentialism and optimism. I'm sitting down with awesome people to talk about their journey, their process, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Hey everyone, it's me again, Jay Christ, and welcome to the another episode of TDLS, right? So the Design Live Show. I'm super stoked to really, you know, have some conversation with my friend here, Julia, right? So it's, you know, it's been a while since we've we've talked. So and um, I'm I'm really grateful that she drops by on a podcast. So make sure to stay tuned for anyone who are listening right now. So yeah, without further ado, Julia, how are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm doing well. It is morning here in Los Angeles, and it's a good start to the day so far. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think we'll we'll have a great conversa- conversation. So, uh, for just to give context for everyone who are listening, so I think uh, in my time, so we're recording it 11 p.m. Uh, Philippine time. So, and Julia is, you know, like like what she said. So it's in the morning there. 
in her area. So yeah, it's cool that uh, we have this technology right now. <laughs> in difference, uh, different. Uh, even though we have time differences, right? So it's it's pretty stoked. I'm pretty stoked to really you know provide value in this conversation. So let's start, Julia, just to give some context for for everyone who are listening for. Anyone who haven't heard about Julia, can you share a little bit about your backstory, you know, your personal life and, you know, what's, what's you're doing? What, what are you doing right now? Yeah, of course. So I am a UX designer here in Los Angeles. And before I, I transitioned into UX, I was working in healthcare as a consultant and also have a background in economics. So a lot of that is not necessarily what you'd call a traditional design background, but I realized in my healthcare role that I, what I really enjoyed doing was trying to improve the patient experience. And in my role, I wasn't able to do that. So that's when I began learning about user experience design and was able to start redesigning websites for nonprofits and really loved doing that. But also began exploring this other subsection of UX design called conversation design, which I'd be happy to talk more about today. And that's really the field of designing how systems interact with people using two-way conversations. So think like voice assistants, chatbots. So that's something I'm currently exploring now. And that's currently what I've been doing, which is um, designing uh, or creating a design system for a nonprofit, um, which is more of the visual design aspect that I started out doing. And have since also been trying to get some more freelance work doing other web design, but also focus on conversation design and prototyping voice-first experiences, which, again, um, would be happy to talk more about today. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. So I just want to uh, go back a little bit about your journey. So uh, you've mentioned you're, you know, a graduate of economics, right? And then then you're you're pretty much... uh, in the health space, right? So you're helping clients uh, with, their, with their, you know, solving a real world problem, right? Or, you know, a design problem, right? With, with your skill set mm-hmm. with terms to UX, right? So can you share a little bit about how you get started, right? So, you know, from the ground up and uh, how, how, we, how, how, you know, how, uh, what you call this, um, when when you know after graduations what 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 did uh what did you do did you go uh just you know did you find a job uh, right away what what did you do yeah when i was studying in college i majored in economics and spanish and a lot of the economics that i was focusing on was actually behavioral economics so the study of how people mm-hmm. think and make decisions based on general human behavior and incentives. Um, So a lot of what I was looking for in my next role was trying to use that psychological aspect of um, economics that I learned and then trying to apply a language aspect to it as well since I have that interest in Spanish. And my first job out of college was a full-time role at a healthcare provider. And this was a really interesting role because I was working at a call center with telemedicine uh-huh. nurses. And I was able to see the conversations that were happening there. Um, and also from an analytical point of view, see how they were um, being productive with their patients. And so a lot of my role was being able to see how 
um, this whole process works, um, if they're being efficient with their time with patients and trying to find ways that um, clinical leadership can help um, support these nurses, but also from a business standpoint, you know, using more of like my economic side, um, how the, they can um, create value for patients and the business um, through these types of conversations. And I, I really think that looking back, a lot of that experience was my first, uh, in a way, user experience uh, design problem because I was creating these um, like trainings for them and trying to understand like the customer journey, in that case, the patient journey and how the nurses were able to assist in that through the phone conversations that they were having. I see, I see. Yeah, so I I had a little minor uh, uh, error there. So I mentioned economics only. So it's a behavioral economics uh, for those who are who are listening, right? So just to you know dig deeper about this one behavioral economics, right? And uh, I think for anyone who are listening who probably want to go, uh, you know, go into in the space of user experience design and anything that you know that you could share about behavioral economics out you know uh can, can you share a little bit about that what can, can you dig deeper about this one how, how do you know how do you you know how it contributes to being a ux designer now you know helping consult uh being a consultant with uh some of you know probably awesome companies and businesses out there can you share a little bit about that yeah absolutely for behavioral economics a lot of the classes that i was taking they were focused around um, learning a lot of psychological principles, and these are similar mm -hmm. principles that you would learn in UX. Um, so anything yeah. like heuristics, um, so usability mm -hmm. heuristics is something that we talked about. Um, anything that has to do with cognitive load, um, like understanding how many, like the mental model of people when they're actually looking at websites or in mm -hmm. the case of behavioral economics, looking at like larger frameworks such as, um, you know, trying to decide uh, you know, how to use your money or how to make decisions given a lot of different options, which happens also in websites. Um, in terms of trying to learn behavioral economics on your own, I would recommend the book Thinking Fast and Slow, which is a cornerstone book for behavioral economics. A lot of the principles they talk about are very applicable to daily life. They talk about how to approach or how to you know better think about statistics, how to better think about different um, mental models um, and just ways think information is presented to you in your day-to-day -day life. So that could apply to websites and mobile apps and anything digital as well. Um, and also a lot of the classwork that I took it involved um, a lot of writing. So getting familiar with uh, the essays um, that of behavioral economics and actually being able to apply that to um, like real life problems is something that they taught us mm -hmm. for um, just being able to grasp those concepts, which I thought was really helpful um, because I also really enjoy writing. And it's also something that yeah. mm -hmm. I'm trying to transition to a little bit with UX through UX writing and uh, conversation design. Yeah, 100%. And I think I, I've also uh, checked some of your works, right, with, with in terms to uh, with in terms to your writing. So it's pretty awesome to uh, check that out as well, right? So, and and uh, yeah, for those who are listening, we're pretty nerd out about <laughs> about you know about UX uh, jargons right now, right? Uh, we're we're nerding out a little bit about on this uh, conversation. So ho hopefully you're catching up. 
right? So, uh, Julia, you know, just a shift, just to shift gear a little bit uh, with in terms to, you know, when in terms to discussing, discussing, right, your journey as a as a UX designer, right? And right now you're you're going to uh, into freelance world right now, right? So, uh, when you're, you know, when you are just, you know, uh, when you're already in that level of uh, understanding the user right so and at the same time uh making making something cool or probably making something useful for for users and for for the clients right for anyone who used the uh the website or anything that you know relates to ux designs is there anything that you know that that could really be helpful for anyone who just getting started with ux well and uh uh, is is there any resources that you you know that you've uh, written or probably uh, you've seen in, in anywhere else that you know, that you could share in our in our I don't know in 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 our audience on our listeners? Yeah, right? of course. When I first started out learning about UX, I was still working full time, so a lot of what I was doing mm-hmm. was after work. I would try and you know, there's a lot of forums online, and there's a lot of um, communities, especially since the pandemic, that have been able to uh-huh. connect people across the world. I mean, we actually uh, met at one of those conferences, the UX uh, Philippines conference. That was really cool. That was one of the first 100%. large events yeah. that I went to. Sure. <laughs> I really enjoyed that, listening to all those talks and meeting people. Um, but I guess when I first started, um, I was told by a few people that I was, I found some people, mutual connections on LinkedIn that I saw were user researchers or UX designers. I spoke to them and asked, you know, what is your advice for someone like me? Because I don't really know where to start. There's so many different paths that you could take. Um, And I think initially it came down to deciding if I should take a, uh, like a certificate course. Um, I know some popular ones here are Career Foundry, um, I want, there's a couple more, but I, they, I, I'm forgetting what they are right now, but in general, they're, uh, longer multi, uh, several months. Um, but they're a little pricey at the end though. You do get this network and the ability to, uh, have a couple pieces in your portfolio as well as this foundational knowledge. But at the time I was thinking something, uh, you know, what's a slightly cheaper option, but could give me some of the same benefits. And so the way that I approached this is I did an, another online certificate through Coursera, um, the University of Michigan. Uh, uh-huh. It's also, I, I believe it took me about four four months. It's also self-paced, which is nice. And that's something that uh-huh. was helpful for me at the time since I was working. And um, so I, I was doing that. I re- I got recommended a few books by the people I was speaking to. Um, design of everyday things is one, uh, don't make me think is another one focusing on, Mm -hmm. uh, how people should be, uh, creating websites. Um, I think those two are really helpful in just getting me thinking about UX in general. And then once I was going through this, uh, program on Coursera, I tried to find ways to apply what I'd learn to real life situations. And that's when I came across an organization called Catch a Fire, and that is an online volunteer network where any professional or even if you're not a professional in your field can go and look at several volunteer projects globally mm-hmm. and volunteer your time to help. Um, they range from anything from business strategy services to web design. And so I was focusing more on 
general web design and was able to do a brief um, project focusing on a heuristic evaluation. So actually looking at a client's website and going through and making notes of, okay, this is violating this heuristic, you know, um, there's too much information here, giving suggestions there. So that was a really cool way to take what I'd been learning uh-huh. at my Coursera course and really start exploring how it would work in reality. Yeah, that's amazing. And you you mentioned that you're, you know, uh, I think we've talked about it uh, off air, right? So you you mentioned that, you know, you are self-teaching, right? So self-paced, right? And most of the more, most of the learnings that you've, you know, shared uh, previously or just recently is uh, in self-paced. And I think this is one of the problem uh, with it terms to the, a lot of information right now, right? In our fingertips, uh, we don't know where to focus on, right? So, and uh, and I, I find it as well, uh, you know, talking with a lot of creatives, designer, aspiring uh, aspiring designers uh, here locally in the Philippines. So, uh, uh, they always said, uh, where should I start, right? So where should I go, you know, or where should I uh, uh uh, what's the best resources that I could, you know, I could use to to really get me started in this in this area, right? So when 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 we say self face, right? So and uh, and I think uh, we we have different learning uh, methods, right? So or probably we are uh, we have type of learnings, right? Learners, right? So right. and uh, and some some wants to have. Uh, we you know uh, or take a course or take a take a, a webinar with someone or you know in a class or like it's a traditional like uh, in physical right so personal right some can can do self face like what Julia uh, did right so can you share a little bit about you know what's you know what's your best practical advice for people who can't focus uh, especially right now right so we can't go out there right so we can't. Uh, we can't uh, attend physically in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, probably in a, in a uh, physical, uh, what you call this, uh, uh, seminar, something like that, right? Yeah, so it's really, yeah. really different right now. And self, you know, being a self-faced learner like you, Julia, what's your, you know, best practical advice for those people who, you know, really find it uh, hard to focus on, uh, on learning, especially, you know, in the digital era we have right now? Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of the reason I actually, I mean, partially because of the cost, but also the issue that I had not starting with that um, more formal education program is that I did want to be in person. But since it was the middle of the pandemic, there was that wasn't an option because I, I do think I'm uh-huh. someone who does benefit from being in these seminar style classes, um, but had yes. to make it work <laughs> remotely too. <laughs> but I think my advice to anyone starting mm-hmm. out is to approach the whole process like you would a UX problem. So having that same design thinking process of starting out, doing a lot of research, trying to implement that, and then testing it out and seeing what works and what doesn't. And part of that would also be, to your point, to understand how you learn best. The way that I learn best is by um, being able to apply what I'd learned, so learn by doing. And if you realize that that's similar to your learning style, then you should try and seek out ways that you're able to do that. Um, and another thing to keep in mind is you mentioned, you know, it's hard sometimes to stay on task and have a schedule yeah. mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, 
the way that I, I I did struggle with that initially since I was also busy working full time and there was no uh, incentive for me to to necessarily complete things at a certain time because it was self paced. Mm-hmm. And the way that mm-hmm. I uh, did that was I tried to set monthly goals. So like by the end of this month, I will have this one you know large thing done and try to take it day by day. Another way to do this is. Uh, you could find a mentor or another friend who's also going through this transition um, and seeing if you're able to have them keep you accountable and making sure you're hitting all these goals for yourself. Um, There are definitely a few communities you could check out. I know Design Buddies is a big one on Discord. There's a few Slack Mm -hmm. channels um, that um, I'm thinking of, Hexagon, is one for uh, more women focused in UX or transitioning to UX. Um, also, if you're able to find any volunteer organizations where you can roll on to a group of p- volunteers uh, who are doing similar UX work, and then you're able to hold yourself all accountable by doing a project together, that's another way of doing that. Um, I'm part of an organization called Hack for LA. And they actually open are open to anyone globally if anyone wants to check it out. It's it's how I've been able to learn more about how people collaborate as UX designers with project managers and developers, which I thought was really important um, since that's what you'd be doing in a role anyway. Um, yeah, but yeah. 100%. So I, I think that's kind yeah. of the approach that I've taken. I think if you're able to know yeah. how you learn, find someone to keep you accountable and essentially just also focus on one thing at a time because there is so much out there. Um, once you get the foundations down, try to think about, do you want to do something more research focused, more purely design, more writing, more developing? I think that's also something you can start thinking about. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's, it all boils down, you know, uh, when, when, in, when it comes to learning, uh, uh, what method that really fits for you is to have that self-awareness, right? So I think that's really, really mm-hmm. important as well for anyone who, who try to really shift a career or you know switching or jump shifting from an, from from a traditional career to you know very you know very extensive research career like UX, right? So uh, I just want to highlight you mentioned you know approach it as a UX problem. So I think that's, you know, that's, that's pretty much a great nuggets out, of, uh, you know, from, from this conversation at the moment, right? So, and uh, I think uh, that's something that, you know, uh, really not worthy for anyone who just getting started as well, right? So I think any problem, right? Any level of, uh, of your career, right? So if you're a beginner, intermediate, right? And, or if you're an expert, I think there's still, you know, there's still, uh, uh, in some level, there's still uh, problems, right? So uh, it it might not uh, a problem from someone. Probably it would be a problem for uh, for uh, for another one or for uh, other people, right? So I think that's really important to really approach any problem uh, within terms to your career as a UX problem, like what Julia said. And I also want to highlight uh, when you. Uh, Julia said as well, learn by doing. So I think I, uh, when I'm just getting started, so I, I had this, you know, similar concept as well. It's like thinking by doing, right? So, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, well, when back then I'm just getting started, you know, uh, having that uh, 
fundamentals with design thinking, you know, anything that could really help me upskill when it comes to my career. So I think that's really, really important. And and having that said, uh, uh, by Julia, learn by doing. So, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's a really powerful. Thanks so much, Julia, for sharing that. So, yeah, yeah we also talk about, uh, uh, I think we've also talked about when we had a call uh, before this call, of course, uh, I think uh, two months, three, uh, three months uh, uh, ago, or I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure, right? So I can't remember. So uh, <laughs> you mentioned that you know yeah, uh, there are struggles, right? So when you're switching from you know from a, a, a probably a, a more safety career, right? So, or probably a more mm-hmm. comfortable career into switching into more uh, uncertain, right? So like UX, right? So there's a lot of things going on, right? So there's a lot of changes going on, and and it's and it's not just a lot of things that are changing, changing, right? It's 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 past changing, right? So I hope that makes sense, right? So what's you know what's your uh, what are the biggest struggles you know when you're shifting career, right? So uh, can you share a little bit about that and how you overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I noticed early on when I was starting to apply to positions and even when you're starting out freelancing and being able to build that credibility with your clients is Uh being able to prove that you have experience. And that's hard to do Mm -hmm. when you're transitioning because in reality, you might not have that much experience. But Mm. I think the way to kind of position yourself is to do go back to what I was saying earlier to understand not only how you learn but what your I guess your like superpower is like what is what are you what is your true value add and being able to build your brand off of that which I know is something you've also talked about and some a piece of advice you actually gave me early on which helped me a lot when I was starting to build my brand is to create content And that can be different for many people, depending on what is your strongest skill set. For me, being able to create content was in the form of writing and being able to write about what I had learned, um, being able to write to clients and giving them details of, you know, how to approach problems and kind of um, these are things that I was also doing as a consultant before transitioning into UX, which is being able to communicate these different business requirements and how to add value and sort of like create a road plan of how to bring the client to success. So that was how I was um, approaching that. Um, I think some other people, Mm -hmm. if you're designers in more traditional design roles, maybe if your value add is graphic design or something more visual, that's how you can position yourself, especially just starting out. Um, Or you could also try to position yourself in more of like a marketing role. Um, And I think anything that you can transfer over from your previous career, something that you're very good at, even if it wasn't directly design related or typical UX design related is something that you should definitely focus on, uh, especially once you're first starting out. Because once you're able to get your foot in the door, I think that's where you're able to get more clients, you're able to get referrals, you can actually start building out your portfolio. Um, so really, I think my number one piece of advice when starting out is you do have to fake it till you make it a little bit, but if you're able to yeah. pinpoint mm-hmm. a couple things that you're particularly good at, 
then you can start creating content out of that and then building your brand, which should be able to help you continuously get projects or those interviews. Yeah, I like when you when you're you know when you're sharing the, those uh, pieces of advice. It's like you're connecting a puzzle, right? So I think that's you know exactly. that's really really cool, right? So and uh, you yeah. I think one of the things that I, you know, that I want to highlight as well, like what uh, the uh, and the uh, on the things that Julia has mentioned is, you have to have transferable skills. So I think you need to highlight that, right? So for those who are, you know, struggling to really shift into uh, an uncertain <laughs> career roles or you know, pretty much harder career role, right? So I think. Uh, like uh, which Julia said, you know, you have to really have the transferable or, you know, you, transferable skills, right? So, and it, it could, it could, prob uh, for me, when I'm get, just getting started, I really, you know, I really want to speak, speak up, right? So, you know, uh, coming from a background uh, with Asian, you know, Asian parents, something like that, right? In an Asian country, right? So, and, uh, and uh, and what I did was to really uh, upskill uh, of you know upskill my speaking right. So if if you know if someone who wants to listen to me, even though it's just one, it's just it's, it is one person only, right? It doesn't matter if it's a group or one person. You know, I, I you know I just share what I want to share, and you know, uh, and then express what I want to express. I think that's one of the things that. Most designers really need to, you know, really need to push through when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to this uh, space, right? So you have to really express what you are thinking, right? And which Julia said as well, you know, you really need to convert that into result, right? So you have to be really result driven uh, when when you're expressing something or when you're creating content something like that right so i hope that makes sense right so i just wanna you know i just it's it's a cool note uh to add on on your paper if you're you know, if you're still listening here in the podcast session right so and uh i want to go back a little bit about your you know uh uh with your uh journey right so you, you've mentioned you know where, where you're doing conversation design right and then you have a passion project right now okay can you share a little a bit about that so i it's sommelier voice assistant right so uh what's sommelier voice assistant and for those who haven't heard conversation design especially here in the local community so it's it's pretty new jargon or pretty new uh, uh terminology in the design world can you share can you share your perspective about that julia yeah absolutely and that was a really good point about having that form of expression of, you know, how to convey yourself as a designer. I think that's really important. So definitely think about design as a multidisciplinary field. And even if you are coming from a place that doesn't seem very related, there are most mm -hmm. likely skills that you can transfer. You know, like to your point, uh, being able to speak to a, a crowd or being able to communicate is a really important skill to have. Um, and that kind of transitions into conversation design, which is about the art of communication. And for those who mm -hmm. don't know, conversation design is a subspecialty of UX. Um, it's essentially the process of designing how a person and a system 
communicates based on the principles of human conversation. And when I say a system, that could be any text-based system like a chatbot or it could be something using your voice uh, like for people who have an iPhone Siri Mm -hmm. or Amazon's Alexa or Google Assistant. So the conversation designer is the person creating the words and the uh, kind of directing how that conversation would go depending on how the Mm -hmm. human or the system responds. Um, And for my passion project, which you mentioned This is something that I've been working on to develop my skills in prototyping these conversations. A little background on the project is that it is a personal sommelier voice assistant. So sommelier is Mm -hmm. a person who knows a lot about wine. (laughs) Sommelier. Sommelier, yeah. It's a person who knows a lot about wine. (laughs) Like they are formally trained in wine. (laughs) Um, And I am not very knowledgeable about wine I will be completely honest um a lot of the inspiration from or for the project is that whenever I'm at a restaurant it's Uh I don't really know how to order wine I don't there's so many different factors that go into it not only if it's red or white but also like how what kind of taste do I prefer uh what are the flavor notes and I don't honestly know how to ask all of that because there's so many different ways you can ask for wine and also depending on the food that you're having it it's all very confusing (laughs) for someone who doesn't know a lot especially (laughs) when you're in time constraint of there's a waiter and you have to you know give your order and ask these questions so that was kind of the thought process um also at this weird time of our lives where we're not able to really go to restaurants as often um it's just something that i've also been thinking about you know what's going to change once we Mm -hmm. do go back um there's a lot now um going on where you're not even talking to the waiter you're doing everything through your phone so that's another opportunity to use technology to enhance these types of communications and conversations and the idea behind it too is that imagine you are at a restaurant you are having you have a long wine list in front of you you don't really know what to ask for (laughs) it's very complicated you don't want to waste your waiter's time by just asking all these questions maybe you don't you're embarrassed to ask these questions who knows so using this voice assistant you're able to essentially what the idea behind is you would use your phone to enable the assistant or maybe there'd be a smart speaker on the table and then the skill would ask you hi how are you uh would you like to order wine today do you have any questions what are you uh, what are you ordering for food? Let me help you choose a wine that would go well with your food. And it would ask you several questions, back and forth conversation. Um, and ideally, it would give you a personalized recommendation. And you could, uh, if you're with a party of people, you maybe you could all join in and ask at the same time. So that would be the ideal state of it. Uh, right now, it's still in a MVP phase, so very minimum. Uh, viable conversation essentially where you're able to do certain uh, pairings but it's not very in-depth and not as robust as I would like it which is the next phase of the product I love it MBC right so minimum viable conversation (laughs) (laughs) that's really a start of jargon right so MBP is minimum viable products that's that's really cool right so it's super cool and i'm really interested right so I've, i'm i'm really fascinated about you know designing this how do you design personality right so 
uh, with it terms to the you know probably the AI side right or the conversational side of of the application or software right so uh, can can you share a little bit about your process behind that how do you design the personality of 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 Camellier? so if if I said it right <laughs> yeah so. it's definitely <laughs> a little different approach than a typical uh-huh. uh, like visual product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that I approached it is, or the way that you should typically approach conversation design projects is that you first need to make sure that uh, voice first or conversation like text space is the right way to display this information. So for example, like if you're in a car, uh-huh. you don't uh-huh. want to have a text skill because you're going to be distracted. So similar to this, yes. you're at a restaurant, you don't necessarily want to you have everyone on their phones scrolling through all these things. I think in this case, having a voice first capability where someone's actually able to talk to a skill and simulate human conversation is a good example of how this could work. Um, So first determining all of that to make sure it makes sense um, and that customers would use something like this is the first step. And then second would be understanding how, uh, not only the customer is asking these questions or guiding conversation, but what you're bringing up, which is the personality behind the system. And if this was something to be uh, kind of developed into a skill, I think a lot of that would come down to how the restaurants want to be perceived. It could be something mm-hmm. like having the system talk in similar uh, tone of voice or like the, if there's a brand, say if the restaurant is a very high end place you'd want to use more formal language if it's more kind of mid-tier like any anyone can come by but they do want to have a little bit more sophistication use more like local slang something like that um so i think a lot of the language is based on what the link uh what the restaurant wants to uh say and what the brand already is um from there you're able to start actually prototyping what sorts of um things that you want the system to say and how you think that a person would respond. And another way to do this is by user testing, which is very important in all user experience projects. The way to do this for conversation design, especially early on, is called Wizard of Oz testing. And that's when you are essentially pretending to be the system. So another human is pretending to be the system and then you're just using a script. Mm and you're talking to uh, just like a user test subject. And uh-huh. then you're just pretending. It's, it's. I mean, in reality, you're looking at two people talking, but one of them is just looking at a script, pretending to be the voice assistant. Um, and that the, way, the reason why that's so good is that it's similar to other low-fidelity uh, visual design because you can easily throw it away. You don't have to spend time like creating this vast AI system when you can just pretend. And then once you're done pretending and user testing, you can actually start uh, creating the more involved uh, flows. And that's the way that I've done it is through voice flow, which is a Mm -hmm. um, low to mid fidelity prototyping. You could also argue it's high fidelity since you can actually test it as a skill. Um, And then Mm -hmm. once that's all developed, what you would do is you would give that off to a developer or um, try to build it yourself in as an Alexa skill, which I haven't 
gotten to that point yet, but should be exciting to learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'm, you know, I'm really fascinated how you would design the traits, right? So, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, an amazing journey, right? So thank you for sharing that, Julia. It's, you know, Eric, uh, uh, you know, imagining those things that you've mentioned, you know, it, it's it's pretty, you know, very data-driven at the same time, very uh, research, you know, research-driven, uh, and uh, and people might find it right, right, like uh, when when you present it on a website or on a on a pitch, right? So they they find it like, oh, it's it's so easy, but behind that, it's really tedious, right? It's a very tedious process, and. Uh, a lot of it uh, would really, you know, would really uh, need, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the the process of it would really need time to, you know, to really progress on this kind of uh, passion project, right? So, uh, speaking of this, right? So, what's you know, what's your next, you know, your next directions on this one? How how do you, you know, how do you find, uh, or you know, probably three to five years. Uh, uh, Fast forward to three years to five years, right? So, what was, uh, what, what, uh, what's the future of uh, personal familiar? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it's hard to say three to five years. I mean, if this was to continue <laughs> to be developed, I think the ideal scenario yeah, would mm-hmm. be it could be developed into a skill that restaurants could then customize. So the general functionality would be the same across the board, where you could um, kind of like upload. Uh, your menu and then if on the back end you could kind of test out okay if there's certain types of fruits and or not fruits but more like vegetables and meats that Mm -hmm. would pair well with these types of wines and then kind of all the ai would be able to detect the actual pairings and then the actual conversation itself uh, the subtleties of how you introduce the system or how you say goodbye that would be determined by the restaurant itself um, so I think that would be the ideal future of it. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to go yeah, into developing for sure. it. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of iterations. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot yeah, of iterations. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know, it's really cool that you've started this. And I think uh, there's a big questions uh, about this. Uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, behind this, you know, uh, innovations as well. Like you, like I think uh, a part of piece, a part of it is AI, right? So artificial intelligence and a lot of right. designers. You uh, probably you uh, for those traditional designer, graphic designer, or anyone uh, who do websites, something like that. So, and uh, there's a lot of platforms as well. You know, the softwares as well that are challenging, right? Challenging the 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 skills of a human being, right? So, if that makes sense, right? So, uh, there's a lot of AIs right right now that uh, uh, pretty much uh, uh, it's uh, some some people will find it a threat, right? So, what what's your perspective about that? Doing you know doing this kind of project, you know, uh, uh, to anyone who uh, who are afraid or afraid that uh, someone would you know get their job, you know, replace them uh, in the near future. Yeah, automation is definitely a completely valid concern when it comes to AI because there mm-hmm. could be a time in the future. I don't know how far in the future, but there could be a time where robots doing certain tasks, like very repetitive tasks that they can machine learn to do more efficiently than humans could 
out, uh, you know, could replace human jobs. And there's a couple debates between that and how it would work in reality. Some people think that, oh, this is great because now it frees up time for people to actually explore other things to do or like learn skills that they've always wanted to learn. On the flip side, maybe you don't have that opportunity and now you're out of work. Um, so there's definitely a lot of debate there. Um, I think for going back to really just thinking about how conversation designers fit into this uh, kind of AI revolution, um, a lot of the work that you're doing as a conversation designer, at least from the way I've been doing it, and obviously like UX, there are some people, or more generally UX, some people go into not only design, but developing. So for a conversation designer, that would be not only designing these flows, but also understanding mm -hmm the technical aspects of AI and machine learning that yeah. uh, mm -hmm. I have not got to that point yet, but I would love to learn more about how the technical side is developing because I think it's important to know as a designer what the capabilities are. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to say to what extent the, um, the role of conversation designer is going to overlap with the technical aspect of it. I think the most important piece of advice that I've received is being able to collaborate with different types of people on product teams, which is what you would also likely do in a general UX role, especially if you're designing for a specific product and not only doing like agency type work. So being able to communicate with product managers, developers, um, other designers, marketing, I think that's a really important skill to have no matter whether you're conversation design, general UX, um, I think it'll help you develop any sort of product or process better. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, uh, that's I know that's that you know that's that's pretty much you know, and uh, I couldn't say it any better, right? So, and uh, I think it, for me, automation is really inevitable, right? So, like you know, like like any uncontrollable things that <laughs> that that could happen. Uh, with uh, within terms to our career or within terms to our life, right? So it's there's there there is only things that we can control, right? So our approach on mm -hmm. it, right? Uh, how you how we could respond to it, right? And I think that's the most important part of it, right? So and like what Julia said, uh, you know, learn by doing, right? So uh, I think for me, that's you know, if you want to really get ahead or probably just you know just you know, just probably uh, to really uh, to really upskill your game, right? Upskill how you how you design things, how you solve problems, right? So that's really really important to really uh, while learning you're doing it, right? So and uh, and a part of it, like what Julia said, you have to kind of fake it right? <laughs> until you make it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I got that as well from. I think uh, one of my friends from uh, from Australia, who is a guest as well here in the podcast, he he is an agency owner, right? So, and one of the things that I really learned from from him is be better every day, right? So, uh, you have to really be better every day, right? So, and he he didn't mention be better every every month or every every six <laughs> every six months or one year, right? So he said literally to be better every day because you know uh this past changing world could really you know it could really uh you know i think there's no in between if uh if you up 
if you're if you're too late, right? So probably you'll you know you're you you still have opportunity, but not too many. But if you're if you get started in the early race, right? So I think you'll you know you'll uh you'll better than someone who who haven't started, right? So I think that's the most important part of it. Be better every day, and if you get better one percent, I think one percent. Uh, better every day you'll be 365 better in a year so i think you know that, yeah that, i love that, that. <laughs> good approach that's very, very, you know, very critical for every designers out there or aspiring ux designer out there so yeah so i think uh, you have to note that all right so julia thank you f- so much for sharing those you know pieces of uh, you know experiences challenges right and then at the same time your processes that's really really helpful for anyone who just getting started with the conversational uh, UX design space or journey right so that's pretty you know pretty good uh, pretty powerful useful advice you you've shared right so and uh, just, uh, just a little you know before we wrap up this this show this podcast episode uh uh, can you share what is the you know how do you people you know how how can you help people become more involved in the industry right so I think this is a more way important than being a, a, a just a, you know a, a being or having a job as a designer right so uh, it's hard you know it's easy to have a you know, to probably to have a, a, to get a job as a designer or a UX designer but getting involved right consistently it's i think that's that's way harder <laughs> what's your you know what's your perspective about that what's how you could you know how could you uh engage people who are listening right now to really become involved in the industry yeah that's a great question um i think one thing that is a great piece of advice that i learned from early on is to ha- ask for help i think that's not something you necessarily want to do all the time, but it's important, especially as you're growing a designer, to ask for help. And the people who you should be asking are, it could be anyone, but I think the people who help the most are those who are already in the industry. So like I talked about early on, when I first got interested in design, I talked to people who have been working as designers for a few years at that point, trying to see how their journey played out and seeing if you can imagine yourself in their shoes and seeing how you could be in the next three to five years. Is that something you want to do or the day-to-day activities that they're doing sounding interesting to you? And if they do, how do you get there? What are the steps that you need to take and asking them specifically, what did you do when you first started? How did you continue to improve? Cause I think that's also one really important skill is to continuously learn And from there, you can really start figuring out your game plan. And for your question specifically on how to get involved in the community, beyond being able to reach Mm -hmm. out to your own network, either through LinkedIn, any Slack channels, even people you previously worked with who might have these other connections to the design community is a great place to start. You can also do your approach, which is what you were saying, you know, learn by doing, improve by 1% every day. Uh, I, I think if you if you've been if you all been listening uh, this far along, you've noticed that I haven't mentioned as many tools that I've used. Um, I, I guess I mentioned a couple with VoiceFlow, doing that conversation prototyping. But if you're able to 
find ways to tangibly see your results through tools. Like if you're using Figma, I also use Webflow, just trying to figure out ways to to prove those results, I think is always very important. But more important than that is understanding your own design process and design thinking because tools change. And if you're able to establish your process and convey that in case studies, that's going to be the meat of your portfolio and that's how you're going to get noticed. So definitely try to get feedback on your any of the content that you're creating or any of the work that you're showcasing because that's also how you're going to get 1% better every day. Um, other, I'm trying to think of other pieces of advice for uh, anyone trying to get involved. Um, other resources that I could recommend for anyone specifically interested in conversation design is uh, Women in Voice, which is a global community of uh, women who are involved in the voice technology space. They There are chapters in, I'm not sure exactly how many countries, but especially in general Mm -hmm. regions, I'm sure in the Philippines, there's either one there already, or there's like an Asian community out there that you can start looking into. Um, There's also so many podcasts and so many blogs that you can check out uh, just to get involved and seeing uh, who else is in the community. One for conversation design is VUX World. They, uh, the host there is great. He is able to curate so many of the top uh, voice influencers or the voice designers Mm -hmm. in the community. And you're able to hear about these companies and the incredible work that they're doing with AI and conversation design. So that's another place to check out for sure. Wow. Wow. That's really, you know, that's a really great resource out there. And thank you so much for sharing that, Julia. And I think, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our conversations, you know, are very very practical, and you know, I think you're you know you're really sharing your truths, and you know, at the same time, you're really passionate about. I think you're you uh, one of the, you know, one of the great things that I've uh, found from from those tips that you've mentioned. You always try to you know get help, you know, network with a lot of people. I think that's, you know, that's the most biggest advice that I get from you. And uh, make sure for those who are, you know, uh, who are listening out there, so you know what to do, right? So, hindi ko alam kung hindi pa kayo makapag-start pag, <laughs> pag, kung hindi nyo pa, you know, kung hindi nyo susundin yung advices that Julia has mentioned. So, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them that if you, you know, if you didn't, you know, if you can't start right now, you know, just, uh, take note all all of the things that we've mentioned here. I think you know that would be you know that would set you uh, set you uh, to really kickstart what you want to really start, right? So uh, I think that's it, right? So be, uh, like what I've said before, we wrap up this the show. So sorry for being redundant. I'm just a human. <laughs> so before we wrap up this show, Julia. You know, in general, in high-level view, for those who are listening right now, for those, uh, especially for Filipino creatives, professional, for Filipino designer, what's your best practical advice for them? Yeah, best practical advice is, ooh, there's a lot of pieces of advice that we were talking about this show. I'm trying to think of the most important ones. All right, so the first yeah. one <laughs> is to understand your motivation. What exactly are you trying to get out of your next role? I think a lot of what I... Part of a lot of the reason I transitioned design is because the previous roles that I was in were not very creative. They weren't solving the problems that I thought were most important. 
and a lot of those problems ended up being uh, relevant to human-centered design problems. And that's what got me motivated to transition and also motivates me to continuously learn and grow in the design space every day. That's the first thing. Uh, second is, yeah. yeah, second is to create a game plan. And it doesn't have to be a very concrete one because, it's again, it's hard to, to think about what you're going to be in five years. But I think if you're able to create specific goals, um, use like the SMART uh, framework um, for goal setting where you're very specific, measurable, actionable, and you're able to create results through that. So that's going to keep you accountable. And there's obviously the, there's a couple of those tips that I provided earlier where you're able to find, if you're able to find a mentor, another friend who's also getting into design, any way that you can be persistent in setting your goals and being better 1% every day. And then third is to, um, to actually get feedback on the work that you're uh-huh. doing. Because I a lot of the things that I've realized in the past few months doing mm-hmm. these freelance projects and also interviewing for other roles is that your strategy is going to change very fast. I began uh-huh. by applying and finding these very general UX roles. I, I think a lot of you in the community probably realize that it's a very saturated market. There's so many just general UX designers, and it's hard to differentiate, you know, what is, what, you know, what's so special about you if there's another similar UX designer. Um, so any sort of feedback you can get on what you're doing really well. So, you know, finding your brand, that superpower that you're able to enhance your value. It, it, the earlier you find that, the more you're going to be able to market yourself as someone who is not necessarily better than anyone else, but can provide a value that someone else doesn't. And the more, the quicker you're able to find that out by, you know, asking for other people's feedback on your own work or your approach to the the job hunt or whatever problem you're trying to solve is going to help you pivot very quickly and hopefully get you to where you're wanting to go uh, quicker and uh, more efficiently. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think that what that's you know that's really really powerful, especially when uh, when when you said Julia about understanding the, your motivations, right? So you have to really you know I think you have to really be self-aware in high, uh, you know, be uh, in the highest level, right? So be a self-aware to really understand that. Uh, I think thank you. I think that's really useful for everyone who are listening. Thank you so much, Julia. Again, I, I know you. Uh, I know I've mentioned that uh, uh, we are wrapping the show, uh, the the podcast episode, right? So just you know, uh, and uh, uh, before before we do that, can you share you know the all the uh, all the links that you know we could reach you out? Anyone who who have any. Uh, questions in, in particular with conversational de- design or for those who are switching into UX design uh, through self-teaching well where they could uh, uh, where they could find you what's the best links that they could reach you out yeah absolutely I can be reached on LinkedIn so you can find my profile there Julia Anderson you can also go to my website 
julia-anderson.com. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, and all those links are, will be either on, on my website or LinkedIn. And you can also send me an email there. I'd be happy to chat or set up a conversation to talk about any of your questions. Yeah, for sure. And uh, be sure to check that out. Your, you know, check uh, check the personal sommelier that Julia did. Is you know, it's really really fascinating and interesting for anyone who want to check that out. So, uh, again, uh, uh, if you're listening, right? So if you're following the podcast, I always add all the show notes or the links that we've mentioned here, including the links of Julia. If you ha- if you want to reach out, if you have any questions, just don't spam Julia, please, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just scroll down below, right? Just scroll down in our show notes below if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. And we, all, we are also now available on Amazon Music by Audible, uh, by the way. So just check, check all the show notes, you know. And if you... If you you know, if you find it useful, right? So just say hi to Julia and let 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 her know that this was a great episode. You know, that would be really really good. You know, give feedback, right? And let 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 her know uh, uh, if you've learned something new from from this podcast episode. So uh, again, you can go to thedesignliveshow.com. So that's the official site, thedesignliveshow.com, and you will. You will get all the details that you need from from uh, f- uh, for the podcast, right? So again, Julia, thank you so much for dropping by on the podcast, right? So and, you know, I, I really learned a lot from you, and hopefully, you enjoy the the session. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This has been really yeah. fun, and I hope anyone listening has learned something new. And feel free to reach out to me, and also definitely reach out to the other resources on the design life show because there's a lot that i've also learned there and that's it so thank you so much guys for listening again to the podcast and i really appreciate it for those people who are asking me on how to support the podcast you can leave a review on apple Podcasts. so in that way you can help me to reach more people and make the podcast more discoverable within the ecosystem you can also take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with your friends colleagues or to anyone that might be interested in this kind of contents you can also support the podcast monetarily by visiting jcristeves.com forward slash donate or patreon.com forward slash tdls and you can also shop courses and tools online to design the life you really deserve by visiting my shop at shop.jcrestevis.com and you can book a call today i don't buy it just let me know guys so the last one would be also by listening and to all the podcast episode and previous episode and however you support my message uh, how however small that is uh, more than enough and it means the world to me so thank you so much and see you again next time